0: thank you for your giving. Let's bow our heads and then we will go right into the word of God. Dear gracious heavenly father, we thank you, we praise you, and we magnify you. God, your name is so great and so awesome and so kind. So, God, we ask that you would cause the word of God to be taught with clarity, with understanding. God, let revelation knowledge flow freely, unhindered, unchecked, and not interrupted by any satanic or demonic forces. God, think through my mind, speak through my mouth, Touch the ears of the hearers and the hearts of the listeners. And God, let no one's coming be in vain. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And let everybody say, Amen. 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 All right, with your Bibles in your hands. I want to repeat after me. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I will have what it says I will have. I'm a part of Deliverance Temple, where we love by living our vision every day. We connect with our Creator continually, we confess our deliverance consistently, we commit to serve creatively. We communicate Christ's love compassionately. Father God, feed me your word. Amen. Come on, put your hands together this morning. All right, so we have been in what we're calling the kingdom series. And in this kingdom series, we've had a series of sermons in the kingdom series, and the first one was King of Kings. Uh, The second one was Kingdom Come. The third one was There is a King in Me. And then we had a guest give us his testimony. And then last week it was Kingdom Wealth. And so today is actually a continuation. It is simply Kingdom Wealth Part 2. Somebody say Part 2. So we're moving in this vein. I'm not for sure if there's going to be a Part 3 or not, but uh, there's more in there that I just needed to grab and teach us because where we're headed, you're going to need to know and have this information to be able to be what you need to be. So I'll give us just a little background of last week. Last week, we basically, to sum it all up, it was basically wealth God's way. It was the opposite of loving money and doing it the wrong way and it was more wealth God's way similarly we're going to be staying in that same vein as a mindset of wealth God's way there's nothing wrong with wealth but wealth outside of God's way can be harmful and we use the example of fire that gets out of the fireplace or out of the lighter that fire that gets out of its boundaries is negative but fire within its boundaries is perfect and beautiful. So it's the same type of mindset, but we're going to start by defining kingdom. Again, we defined it last week, and it's the same definition. It's a realm under the control of a particular person or thing, number one. Number two, and this was Merriam-Webster's dictionary, and I like the fact that it wasn't a Bible dictionary, but it's a secular dictionary, and it's number two still says the spiritual reign or authority of God, the rule of God, or Christ in a future age. So even secular people understand that we are operating under a kingdom. The only issue I have is that they say the kingdom is a future age. And what we're trying to say is we're not waiting for the future. We're bringing it right now. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We're actually bringing the kingdom to the earth. And so that's been the focus of the kingdom series And then we defined wealth, and wealth is defined thusly as plentiful supplies of a particular resource. And so that takes it out of just money. You can be wealthy in many things. It's just having a plentiful supply, or we can uh, can condense it and just say abundance. If you carry a level of abundance that is wealth. So if you have abundance of love, abundance of family, abundance of peace, all that is known as wealth. But there's no need in having abundance in all that stuff and not having abundance of money as well. So that's what we're trying to move to. So today to frame the sermon is, this is what we're talking about today in part two. Kingdom wealth is basically wealth with a purpose. So uh, somebody said if you don't know the purpose of a thing, then by nature you will naturally abuse it. So if you don't understand what the purpose of it is for, you're normally going to use it wrong. It's not that it can't be used wrong. It just won't be at its highest purpose. give you an example of this bottle of hand sanitizer. The purpose of this is to kill germs. But if I use the back of this and decide I'm going to dig up my garden with this and dig up the soil, I could probably dig with it, but I'm using it way out of its purpose. I'm really wasting what it really is because there's a tool for gardening, and it's not this bottle. Now, if this is the only thing I had, that's one thing, but the problem is is when you don't use things what their purpose for, it's not that you can't get things done, but you waste a lot of time. And you actually look foolish. If I was down there digging with that, someone would be like, Pastor Andre, what are you doing? And why are you doing it that way? And the problem is I don't understand the real purpose for it. And so the problem with wealth in many people's eyes Is they think it's supposed to be consumed upon their own lust. In other words, they think wealth is just about me, 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 me. I like to say it this way about my four and no more, my three and just me, my two, forget about you, and my one and I'm done, son. That's how people think, but that's really not the purpose of abundance. Anytime God overflows, the purpose of an overflow is that everything around the person that's overflowed gets touched and blessed. But greedy people have distorted abundance to the point that there are shortages. In other words, God put enough resources in the earth for everybody to have something. But people have hoarded some and not given enough to others. And now we have poverty. Now we have People who are so wealthy and people who are so poor, that's totally outside of the purpose of kingdom wealth. And so let's continue. And uh, as we park here in this, these verses, this will help us. Matthew 6, 19 through 21, 24 through 27 and 31 through 33. This this will really paint the picture for us. Matthew 6, 19. Would you start up there, Mother Mitchell?
1: Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal.
0: It's not saying that you shouldn't save, but that shouldn't be your major focus. Because last week we talked about it, it said in the scripture, you can't take it with you. So if you're going to lay it up, there must be a purpose for it. Because if you're just going to store it and store it and store it, then all it's going to do is it's going to deteriorate. It's not going to do you any good. So let's look at verse 20.
1: But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal.
0: All right, so now it's saying that we should actually lay treasures up in heaven. So, how do we put something in heaven and we don't even know what heaven looks like? How do I, say, do I direct deposit it? How do I get it there? I, I'm not sure what you're saying, but really what it's saying is we have to think in a kingdom mindset that is both earthly and heavenly. And so, that I'm thinking that if I'm using wealth. To destroy me in a way that's going to cost me heaven, then I'm using it outside of its intended purpose. Maybe I should be using wealth that would be in line with heaven. So how do we do that? We're not quite sure, but it's painting a picture for us. Let's continue. Verse 21.
1: For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also.
0: Oh, okay. Wherever I put the focus of my treasure is my heart is going to be there as well so basically what it's saying if eventually I want to see heaven come to earth me get to heaven all the stuff we've been talking about then I have to be thinking on heavenly things and then that means that my money should move in the way of heavenly things I I, I shouldn't be doing things that are opposite Heavenly things. Let, let me say something that that happened to me just recently. You know, my, my wife, we were on a vacation to Jamaica, and so there was a, a certain uh hotel that I had picked out because it was it said it was the best hotel, the best value, but I decided not to pick that hotel. And one of the reasons why is because that hotel had a nude beach, and I'm like, I'm not putting my money in the none of that joke. As I looked and studied it, it was a couples-only resort, but it was more than just couples-only. It looked like there was some weird stuff going on, and so delete that, find me another hotel. I don't want my money. Now, now, we can't control where our money goes when we don't know, but when you know there are certain decisions You ought to make. And by the way, I don't want to see no 75-year-old wrinkled man. No, uh uh-uh. Delete. Let me put my money somewhere else. Because my focus is on heavenly things. And so what we have to learn is that when we start enjoying ourselves, nothing wrong with enjoying ourselves, but there got to be some type of boundaries. My money can't just be doing any and everything because I am a heavenly person. I'm a godly person. I'm a kingly person. So there are some limits to where my treasure will be. Now, of course, that's simple to understand that you just don't want to be supporting sin and weird things. But what about more basic things where you seem to be putting more money in things outside of the church than you ever put in things in the church? Whenever they talk, start talking about raising money in the church, you automatically get an attitude. I mean, they haven't asked you for nothing in a long time. And they finally say, hey, we got this project. All, they, all them preachers want is your money. All Walmart wants is your money. You keep going back. So don't bother the preachers. No, 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 let's be honest. Not just Walmart, but your, the school. Them schools will ask you for everything. Buy candles. Buy peanuts. Yeah. Buy this. Buy that, do this, support this PTO. Everybody everywhere is asking you for money, but the only time you get an attitude is when they ask you in the church. That means you don't have a kingdom mindset. Now of course there are some churches who have taken advantage of people, but you can't say it's this church. So, and and we're very careful on how we ask, when we ask. We try to make sure there is a real reason. But if you automatically get an attitude, that means your treasure's in the wrong place. Or your heart's in the wrong place. So, let's continue. Let's look at verse 24. This will help us understand more.
1: No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other. Or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and Mammon.
0: All right, so this is Jesus talking, and he's been he's been talking this whole point, teaching, and then he seems seemingly he turns a corner and starts talking about Mammon. Mammon had not been brought up, but I'm going to help us understand and tie it And so last week we talked about loving money, and we basically proved to you that the majority of you guys don't love money. The reason why I say majority, I don't know who watched this online. But the, the, I'd say 98% didn't love money. So you actually have a right relationship with money, which we talked about. But just because you have a right relationship with money doesn't mean that mammon won't come in. So now I've got to, first of all, we're going to read that verse again. I'll read it, and then we're going to define what mammon is. Let's look at Matthew six twenty four again. It says, no one can serve two masters first point I want to make, and it's a quote that's very beautiful. Money makes a great servant, but it makes a horrible master. So when money starts mastering you, now you are not in control of it. It is in control of you. And when it's in control of you, since money is neither good nor bad, money is neutral, then it's not money controlling you. It's actually mammon. What is mammon? We'll get to it in a second. Let's f- uh, finish reading this verse. For either he will hate the one Love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. All right, so bringing this uh, definition of mammon up, this is actually another definition that comes not from a Bible dictionary, but from a secular dictionary, and it says this. Wealth regarded as an evil influence or false object of worship and devotion. It was taken by medieval writers as the name of the devil of covetousness. Okay, so basically if I can condense it for you, what it's happening is mammon is the spirit that attaches itself to money to try to control whoever has the money, whoever has the wealth. And what it tries to do, it's really the demon of covetousness. And what it tries to do, it tries to control you to get into covetousness. In other words, covetousness is I want what you got so bad I don't want you to have it. It's not that I want it because I would like to have a piece of it, but I want it just so you don't have it. And there are some people who make decisions with money just so that they can uh, be arrogant against someone else. That's not godliness, that's mammon. It is actually a demonic spirit that attaches itself to money and it tries to get into your life through the money or the material things. So we have to be careful when we're dealing with material things that we we don't have the spirit or demonic spirit. There's a lot of things that we deal with that we understand and recognize we could be exposing ourselves to the demonic. So many of us who are Christians, we're careful when we watch horror movies. Some movies, we be like, no, that's too demonic. I ain't watching that because I don't want to let that in. I don't want that to affect my spirit. But here's the thing. When it comes to money and material things, it's a demon that hides. It hides in overtime. It hides in a purse. It hides in new shoes. It hides in cologne and vacations and cars. And the whole reason why it's hiding is because it's trying to trap you up. And so you have to be careful when you start thinking about things more than you start thinking about God. And then you know it's a demon. And we all can be susceptible to this demon. None of us... Are above it, but we got to learn how to rebuke it. And here's one of the great things about this demon it's not, it don't really go out with a bunch of rebuking oil. I mean, that works. But really, what kills the spirit of mammon is a spirit of generosity. Because mammon can't stand generosity. Because you can't be generous and covetous at the same time. And so when you're moved with generosity, more than likely, mammon doesn't have a hold of you. But when you start getting stingy, not stingy, stingy, I mean, you, 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 used, to, you used to give well as long as you had hundreds. But now you have thousands, tens of thousands. Now everybody after your money. Now I, I don't like the way Jasmine looking at me. I don't know if she might that no, wait wait a second. There ain't nobody looking at you. It's that demonic spirit. And so what we don't want we what we don't want to do is we don't want to stay away from wealth. So what some churches do, they preach you gotta be poor to love God. The devil is alive. No. I don't want to be poor, but I also don't want to be consumed by material things. So if I had to choose between one or the other... David said it this way. He said, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. I, I I would rather if I had to be poor, I'd rather choose poor and God than wealth and the devil. So, So I really would rather have you, God, but if there's a way, God, I can have you and have material things. I want you to show me how to do it the right way. I don't want to sacrifice all this goodness you've done in my life for a few extra dollars and a few extra vacations and some first class seats and some first class five star hotels. I don't want to trade it all for this. Some of y'all single ladies get with somebody you know is no good because he pays for stuff. Takes you on trips. But there's a the stuff he's expecting when he's paying and taking you on trips. You got to make up in your mind, I can go on trips by myself. I can feed myself. I'm not going to settle for less just because you showing me you my sugar daddy. Like I said a couple of Sundays ago, some of y'all got splendid daddies. It ain't even sugar. You got, you got daddies that ain't worth a dime. You can't trade it in for the wrong thing. Got sweet and low daddies and everything else. All right. Moving right along. Verse 25. Let me get off of that.
1: I don't want to step on nobody's toes. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about hold your on, life. T-
0: hold on. Time out. I, di- I didn't mean to go here, but I got to take this rabbit. Trail. You know he don't even look that good. He actually ugly, but he got money. And somehow the money make him look better. No, it don't make him look better. He still don't have teeth in his mouth. He still walk with a limp. You just are entrapped with the money. Stop settling and let God bless you his way. When God bless you his way, you ain't got to settle for every time Dick and Harry that come along. All right, enough of that. Let me get off of that rabbit trail. I don't know who I'm fussing at. And And let me let you know something, uh, I don't know who I'm fussing at, but we just found out we're not online right now. We got to go online later. We had technical difficulties. So since God told me to say it, it's for somebody up in here right now. It ain't for TV land. It's for somebody right now. But that's enough of that. Matthew 6, 25. Read that.
1: Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, Uh-oh. nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing?
0: If you know anything about my preacher, I usually start with the most outlandish example first, like the Splendid Daddy, and then I bring it on down to basic things. Because many times in church, we don't get tripped up by the big stuff. Uh, In in Song of Solomon, it says it's the small foxes that destroy the vine. And so what's interesting, Jesus lays it out. First, he introduces this Spirit called mammon, but the very next verse says this, Therefore, I say to you, do not worry. So here's the truth of the matter. Most of y'all are not going to fall for the outlandish, crazy stuff, but sometimes how you know that mammon has got a hold of you is you can't stop worrying about everything that's related to material things. Now, I understand having bills, and I understand that we've all had to deal with bills, But what I'm talking about is that worry that dominates your thinking. The worry that kind of freezes you, that you can't move, you can't function. That is the spirit of the enemy. And he's trying to make you feel and make you think that God does not have your back. God's got your back, but he's not going to help you if you keep worrying. You can't worry and pray at the same time. You got to pick one or the other. And so you might as well pick prayer instead of worry. And so he says, why do you worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, about your body, what you're going to put on? Is not life more than food or clothing? is life bigger than material things? All right, let's look at verse 26.
1: Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they. Last time I checked, the birds don't do taxes.
0: The birds don't stand in the unemployment line. The birds don't retire with pensions. They just fly and they wake up in the morning happy and chirpy and and singing. One time, and since I worked midnight, I was home trying to lay down and the bird, I wanted to tell the bird, shut up. I'm trying to sleep but the bird was happy and the bird don't have no 401k. It don't have any stocks in the stock market but God takes care of the bird and the Bible says and Jesus said to himself Doesn't the heavenly father care more about you than he cares about the bird who can fly today and die tomorrow? Stop letting mammon make you worry. You got to understand, you got a God who is your father and he will look after his own. I'm not saying it's easy, but you got to learn how to trust in God and trust the process and learn that if God brought you to it, He'll bring you through it. And if it is God's design, it is God's bill. God got to pay for whatever he said. If God gave you a dream, it's not your job to supply the dream. It's not your job to fund the dream. It's God's job. God's the one who gave you the dream. And God's the one who gave you the vision. And God's the one who gave you the desire. And if he takes care of the birds, he can take care of you and I.
1: Verse 27, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature?
0: This is for me, because if I could worry, I'd be about six foot six. And in the NBA, a long time ago, if I could just think myself high, he said, you're worrying it actually doesn't have any power. It doesn't have any creative power. It cannot create things. The only thing that can create things is the word of God. And so instead of worrying, you better get the word instead of the worry. Trade the worry for the word. And once you get the word, you'll be able to declare, I'm blessed coming in. And I'm blessed going out. I'm the head and I'm not the tail. I, I have exceeding abundantly above all I can ask or think. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. But as long as mammon can get you to worry, you won't be in the word. All right, verse, we're going to skip. This, this uh, Jesus com- continues the same things, but we're going to skip down to verse 31.
1: Therefore, do not worry. Saying, Read it again. Therefore, do not worry. Saying. Read it again. Therefore, do not worry. Saying. Oh, here's a key. The Bible
0: just gave us a key. How you know you're worrying is what you start saying.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm not saying it won't come to your mind. But once it's been in your mind so long it comes out of your mouth, that's when you know worry got a hold of you. Teresa, how you doing? I don't know if I'm going to make it. She's been worrying because she's saying it out of her mouth. Now, we're not talking about a momentary thing where you're hit with a momentary crisis and then you say, I don't know if I can make it. That's the, when the Bible says you bear the burdens of the week. No, we pull up beside her. But we're not talking about she's hit with a crisis. Just it's always on her lips, negative stuff. That means worry has been in her head. He says, therefore, do not worry saying. All right, let's go back to that verse and we'll love, allow you to read it in its entirety.
1: Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear?
0: All right, now we're not saying, well, what am I going to eat for, for dinner? That's not talking about that. Let me talk to you mothers. Sometimes you mothers, when uh, school rolls around summer. Already in March, man, I, I don't know how we're going to get new school clothes. It's, it's March. they already in school with the clothes they already have. And you worried about the next year and you're already talking about it. You're already wondering who I, what I got to do and who am I going to have to date to get it. Listen, you're going to have to get out of that mindset And you're going to have to start saying, I'll face that when it comes. I'm not going to be worrying about stuff six months down the road, stressing myself out, my blood pressure sky high, and I'm worrying about stuff that God already has an answer for, but I won't even let myself get to it before I'm all stressed out. Biting my nails. You go get your nails done, now you're biting them all down. You're going to have to learn how to chill out. And chill out without a cocktail, chill out without a blunt you 're going to learn how to chill out with you 're going have to learn how to chill out with the word of god now i 'm talking to the women, but this, this is for men as well, but somehow God has got me on the women because by your nature, by the nature of your psyche, you can be warriors by nature and it 's it's, it's some of your intuition, but you got to know when it switched from intuition to being something that is actually hindering you from God blessing you. So what you got to do, and I heard it a long time ago, and my my dad said it because he got it from someone else, he said sometimes you got to say self-dismiss yourself. Sometimes the reason why things don't go right because I keep getting in the way. I'm getting out the way so God can do his things. Let me give you an example. Sometimes I have done it because I've driven a lot and there are times where the GPS tell me to go this way. And I'm like, man, the GPS don't know what he's talking about. I done drove this road plenty of time. Well, I disregard the GPS and 35 minutes out of the, of the way, I get back on track and realize the GPS knew what it was talking about and I was wrong. Sometimes the GPS is wrong, but sometimes I've been flat wrong. But the GPS is also God's positioning system and so when you keep getting in the way going against the GPS of God you keep getting yourself in trouble you got to make up in your mind not this year no I'm gonna let you bless me any way you bless me I'm gonna be satisfied I'm not worried I'm not stressing I'm relaxing and I'm letting God do his work I done put his word out there I done been in church I done gave I done sold I done done I done worked I'm looking for God to bless my socks off. God, do it your way. Do it your way. And it's good because when God does it his way, nobody can get credit for it but God. All right, continuing verse 32. For after all these
1: things the Gentiles seek. Those who don't have a covenant with God, this is what they actually seek. Read. For your heavenly father knows that you need All these things. So he already knows. This is something I've learned. The day I find
0: out I have a problem, it's not the day God found out. God knew for I knew. God already had a plan before I even knew I had a problem. Something happened to me yesterday that was so odd and weird. I I left the funeral and I decided I had to pick up my son. I decided I was going to go to the car wash before I picked up my son. So I'm in the car wash and they're telling me to move forward. And then they said, stop. They said, uh, mister, you have a stick sticking out of your tire. And I don't think we can go push you through the car rush because it'll probably break off in the conveyor. It may mess your tire up. So just we're going to have to have you back out and go out. So I was like, OK, I'll do that. Kind of weird. I didn't know what was going on. So I backed out. And I was like, let me look at it. I'm thinking look, a little stick stuck in maybe in the rim or something. There was a stick about that thick actually sticking into my tire, had punctured the tire. I don't know where it came from. And the only, it actually looked like someone stuck it in there, but nobody would do that with a stick. They'd probably do it with a with a, uh, a knife or something. But what I'm thinking, it was so windy, I'm really believing that the wind blew a stick right into my tire and hit it in there, and it punctured. So I went straight from the car wash to Tire Barn, And they were like, oh, we'll patch it up for free. And then they took it back there. they said, excuse me, sir, we didn't know how deep it was in there. He's like, your tire is actually messed up. You actually need a brand new tire. I wasn't planning on purchasing a brand new tire. All I was doing was doing my job trying to help people grieve preaching at a funeral. But And and it was interesting, the message God gave me, I was like, okay, it didn't seem like it was that good to me, but I decided this is what I'm going to give. And I had about 15, 20 people, so I'm like, oh my God, we really enjoyed the message. God really moved. So so God did his thing, so the devil was mad, and the devil did his thing. I didn't know nothing about it. Now, it could have, uh, the, the tire could have went flat at the church. It could have went flat when I got into the car wash. It They caught it at the right time and I made it to the tire place. And the tire place says it's going to be $280 for one tire. I wasn't planning on that. I was having a good day. But I was reminded that someone had stuck a card in my pocket and said this is a love token for helping with the funeral. And then I also remembered that the... uh, Funeral director, him and I rode together to the cemetery, and he just said, Come here. And he shook my hand and he shook something in my hand, and I just put it in my pants. When I pulled out, I had $250 in my pocket. I didn't know I was going to have a tire problem, but I woke up and went to the funeral without money in my pocket. I left the funeral and had almost everything I needed to pay for the problem that I didn't know I was going to have. You got to know that God sees the end from the beginning. And I'm talking to you and you're praising God for little zeros, but God is about to add some zeros. I had a $250 blessing, but it's going to be a $2,500 blessing and a $25,000 blessing and a $250,000 blessing. What God is getting ready to do is about to blow your mind. So stop worrying and stop sweating the small stuff God sits on the throne and he got it all taken care of. I just had to laugh at the devil. And say, you, you, thought, you thought you had me, and like, like little, little, basically, I got a tire for $30. That, that, that wasn't nothing. And God could have paid for the whole thing. He is just trying to show me. And actually, I had a $30 actually in my car, so I could have had it all paid for. I just went ahead and swiped the car. God had just shown me I got it. The devil is mad, and he's going to try to do stuff, but don't be tripping. If you're caught up in mammon, you're going to freak out over every little thing. God's going to take care of everything. All right, Matthew 6, Now, this is a famous scripture, but now we've got up to it to let you know why we're talking
1: about kingdom wealth. Read it. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to
0: you. So a but, what it does, it's a conjunctive thing, but it cancels out the first thing. So it says, quit worrying about all this stuff because that's what the Gentiles seek. They seek the stuff. But he said, no, you seek the kingdom and then the stuff will have to seek you. Yeah. All right, let's put this point up here. Wealth that provokes covetousness Worry, envy, and jealousy is not kingdom wealth. So if you're stirred up, if you're seeking the stuff and it stirs you up to covet, to worry, to be envy, and jealous. See, some of y'all, when I was talking about that, y'all are praising, y'all happy. Y'all want to see someone else blessed, but when you're caught up with mammon, you can't stand to see nobody else get nothing. It irritates you. You can't stand to see nobody have nothing. Then you're you're not operating in kingdom wealth and you are operating under a demonic principle called mammon or the love of money. Either one you're operating under. Let's move uh, further into this point. So we talked about, we're saying this, the the title is kingdom wealth part two, but the basis is wealth with a purpose. So let me uh, add these two before we get to the purpose part. Kingdom wealth comes with peace and purpose. You know, you don't have to stress out for kingdom wealth. Now, there come seasons where you're going to be have to work hard. Well, I'm not saying you don't have to work hard. You're going to have to work hard. But what I'm saying is we're moving into a season where it's going to be peaceful prosperity. I can take you to a scripture that puts peace and prosperity together. But I'm saying is you, you're not going to have to flip out to do it. Last week we talked about drug dealers and people who do all kinds of crazy stuff to get money. Then they got to look over their shoulder. They're paranoid. You're not going to be paranoid. It's just going to come peaceful it's going to show up and when you didn't know it was there. You, you're going to be reaching in pockets and, and pulling out stuff that you didn't know was there. And whether it was put there by God or you left it there, you're not even going to know how it got there, but it's going to be there. You're going to be driving to Starbucks and somebody going to say, the car in front of you already paid for your stuff. You're going to be sitting at the restaurants and somebody in another table going to take care. I'm talking about peaceful stuff, just showing up. Stuff that you can't even uh, uh, quantify You can't even write it down. You can't even say uh, it happened to me ten times this month. I'm saying it's going to be happening so much for so many of us. It's just going to happen and the only thing we can say is it was God that did it. But here's the thing. It has to come with a purpose. So what we do know is not just to consume it upon our own lust. It's for a purpose. Now the money that came to me, obviously the purpose was to fix the tithe. Now, if I decided, well, you know what I'm going to do? I had a rough day. I'm going to take this $200 something dollars and I'm going to go get drunk with it. That's outside of the purpose. Amen. The problem was the tire. The money showed up. Use the money for the tire. Use it for purpose. And that's what some of us don't understand. The reason why God came bless is we don't understand delayed gratification. you got a mortgage, but you want some Jordans. When God brings you the money, God knows you can't sleep in the Jordans. Amen. You got to sleep with a roof over your head. So when he brings you the wealth, don't tell the Morris Company, I'll pay you later so I can buy me and my kids some Jordans. That's not using wisdom and purpose. And so what God says, I can't keep bringing wealth into your hand if you don't understand purpose. And a lot of us, we, it's not that we don't have it, we blow it too much because we don't understand purpose. When you have a need and God brings you something, meet the need. The Bible says God shall supply all my needs. And so stop putting it on your wants when he's trying to meet your needs. Young folk who go to college and you get student loans and they bring money for the student loans and for the semesters, stop bawling out like that money belonged to you just to spend. It belong on the semesters. It belong on the stuff. And then, because at, at the end of the day, when you're 35, 40, and you got all these student loans, and your credit is all jacked up, you're going to wish you made some better decisions. So use it for purpose. And the more you use it for purpose, the more God says, I can trust you. Because if you use it for the wise things, that means when I give it to you, and then I ask it from you, then I know you'll do. It long time ago, and I'm able to dress pretty well. And I talked about it last week. I I get deals, blessings. I'm able to dress pretty well. But it didn't always start like that. I remember one time being in Colorado, me and my wife, and I was doing a revival in Colorado. I had these uh, blue crocodile shoes. They was fake crocodile. They wasn't real crocodile. But they looked good. And it was my favorite blue shoes. They would have went well with this outfit. They had the, the crocodile had like a light blue. They looked good. They was plastic as plastic come, but they looked good. Looked good on my feet. And so we were at, we were at the I think the, maybe the last service, and a, some man uh, compliment me. Some guy said, "Boy, I really love those shoes." I said, "You do." My wife said, "He'll give them to you." I'm like, "Shut up." <laughs> Because I was used to giving stuff, but I wasn't planning on giving up those. But she just said it. And when she said it, it hit me. It's like, yeah, do it. And so I pulled my shoes off and gave them to him. He was like, really? What? Like, he was really shy. I was like, no, you, you can have them. And, and I walked uh, to the car with socks. But I had some shoes back at the hotel. But since then, I've never stopped having shoes. I've never stopped having stuff. I've never stopped having stuff come to me. I've given away more suits than i bought, and suits just keep finding me, and shoes just keep finding me. And just last year, I said, I ain't been wearing my watches, so I'm giving up watches. And next thing I know, I got a box full of watches. I just kept finding watches. And I got a watch that several, I won't say, it, it, it costs a whole lot of money, and the one that gave it to me was my wife just shocked me on Christmas and I opened it up and looked at it and was like wow, what is this? I didn't ask for it. It just showed up for me as a gift. What I'm trying to tell you is if you don't trust it, you don't put your hope in it and you're willing to let it go, God will bring everything back to you that you need. Alright. Alright, so let's, let's try to close because uh, I want to leave us with something that's so powerful, but I'm not going to give into the full detail. I may give the full detail in Bible study. So put this question up. What is the kingdom purpose of wealth? I, I, I talked to you about generosity, but there's a bigger kingdom purpose. What is the kingdom purpose of wealth? So let's let's put this definition up. Purpose, the reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. Remember, like I showed you, this exists specifically to kill germs. It's only in this bottle, so I have easy access to it. But it's specifically, the purpose of it is to kill germs. And so what was it created for? So what was kingdom wealth created for? Actually, God created wealth. So what was it created for? Let's look at Psalms 105, 37. And what this is is a psalm talking about the days of the children of Israel after they came from Egypt. Read Psalms 105, 37.
1: He also brought them out with silver and gold. With what? With silver and gold. Okay. And there was none feeble among his tribes.
0: So when they left Egypt, they were slaves, they were nothing, but because of the plagues, they left Egypt with silver and gold. It was a wealth transfer. One of the first wealth transfers we see in the Bible, the Egyptians gave them money to get them out of their face. Cause the firstborn had died. They had frogs, lice. Pharaoh didn't want to let the people go. And they was like, look, be gone!" And they gave them silver and gold. Let's look at verse 38.
1: Egypt was glad when they departed. What well,
0: I just told you, they was glad to get rid of them.
1: For the fear of For the fear of them had fallen upon them.
0: In other words, they begin to understand Egypt worshipped a multitude of gods. And they started looking how this god was delivering these people. And they were afraid. And they gave them money to get them away. Because we can't can't deal with your god no more. I don't care what Pharaoh talking about. He don't want to let y'all go. We want to give y'all money. To go, And the scripture says the Bible used the women, told the women to go and ask the Egyptians. And so the scripture off somewhere else says that they plundered the Egyptians, brought them out with silver and gold. And then the scripture says, was it one sick or feeble among, among them? They had wealth and health. They were slaves, had wealth and health walking out of Egypt. But here's the funny thing. God took them straight to the wilderness where there was no place to spend the money. He didn't put, he didn't send them to no mall. He didn't send them to Amazon Prime. He put money in their hands and then put them in a place that they couldn't spend it. So, why are you going to give me money that I can't spend? Well, maybe the major purpose of money is not spending first. So, what is the purpose of money? Let's look at. Exodus 25. So that was Psalms recounting the story. This is the
1: actual story of what happens when they come out. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they may bring me an offering. From everyone who gives it willingly with his heart, you shall take my offering.
0: Gave them silver and gold. But the very next thing he did, he asked them for an offering. Now, God will never ask you for what he hasn't previously given you. But then he says, whoever will give it willingly, because what God knows, there's some, even though I gave it to them, they won't let it go. They won't do it willingly. So he said, don't, don't, don't pressure them. Don't, don't, don't manipulate. But everybody that's willing, I want you to take an offering from them. And they can't say, well, we ain't got it. Yeah, you got it. I just made sure they gave it to you. I just made sure it was transferred into your hands. But the first stop I'm going to ask you is, can I have some of it? Now, what's funny is he gave it to you anyway. If I give you $75 and then say, oh, you know what, can I have five back? You ain't got to give it to me. But it'd be kind of nice since I gave you 75 You still got 70 so, there's a, there's a larger purpose. It's not, I'm not trying to raise an offering. We already took our offering. There's a larger purpose to kingdom wealth. And this is going to help us. Exodus 25 and 8. So, so uh, let me go back. 25, 1 and 2 tells you he asked for an offering. 3, 4, 5 and 6. He tells all the things he wants. He, he says silver, gold. He tells all the things he wants in the offering. And then 8 is the major purpose. Read this.
1: And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Mm. Mm. Brought them out with silver and gold. Then he said,
0: I want you to take up an offering. But what I want to do with the offering, because God don't need money in heaven. He said, what I want you to do, I want you to build me a house or a tabernacle so I can come and dwell. He said, "I, I actually want to be with you. So I brought the money to you so you can build me a place that I can come and be with you. Well, this don't make sense in our day and age because the Bible says that we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. We are the temple of the Lord. So what are you saying, Pastor Andre? What God is saying is when I bring it to you, my major goal is for you to build a place where I can dwell. In other words, you use it that will touch people so the people will open their hearts to me and I can come in and dwell. I want you to use it to build me a house where I can dwell. All right, so, so put this point up. Kingdom purpose equals willingly build for God first. So, if you have three kids and you have four outfits, you got three kids, you got four outfits. This person has one kid and no outfit. What God says, it would make sense since you have an extra outfit to give the extra outfit to the person Who doesn't have it because what happens is when you give it to the person who doesn't have it, the first thing they do is they praise God. And when they praise God, they make a pathway for God to come in. See, God is not just worried about getting them an outfit. He's trying to get into their heart. But if you're stingy with the extra, then God doesn't have a way into the heart because they don't know the words and they don't know the scriptures and they ain't been to church. But when you take what you have and you deposit it into the, uh, the lives of people, it builds God a pathway where he can dwell among. So sometimes you wonder, man, I can't keep no money. Because I'm always trying to help folk and I'm always, my heart goes out to this one and my heart goes out to that one. Don't stop. Because what God is doing, he's testing you to see who you were blessed. And now he knows he can trust you because you're building him a house Then God gonna bless your socks off. You've been taking care of grandbabies and kids. You've been taking care of folks in the neighborhood. You've been taking care of folks in the community. You've been helping this cousin and that uncle. You've been helping this, that, and folk on your job. You've been letting folk borrow money. And it looks like folk is taking advantage of you. And God is saying, no, you are right in line for me to bless you because you've been building me a house and now it's your turn for me to bring you the desires of your heart because you didn't hoard it on yourself but you took it and you shared so that God could be glorified and guess what it's for me as well because I could have taken a salary but I said no we're gonna put money in the church we're gonna put money in the building. And when we get stuff, instead of y'all paying me, we're going to put screens on the wall. We're going to go on the internet. We're going to build websites and we're going to do this and that and the other. And I'll pay for my stuff with my General Motors salary. I won't even ask the church for a salary. But what God is saying, since you wanted to build me a house, Andre, there's coming a day where I'm about to Bless you so good, folk going to be mad at you. Folk going to be sticking their lip out at you, and they going to know it didn't come from the church, but this is the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in his eyes. It's marvelous in our eyes, because that's how God works. If you will bless others, God will make sure you stay blessed. All right, so final thing, not the final thing, but final point, then two more verses. We'll be done. The kingdom wealth test is it will is will it be God or golden calf? Here's the truth of the matter. He asked them for a offering in the wilderness, but instead of an offering to build a tabernacle, they built a golden calf. And not only did they build a golden calf, they looked at the calf and said, this is the calf that brought us out of Egypt that brought us over the Red Sea. So it's, it's, it's funny to look at them and be like oh them Israelites were crazy. But here's the truth of the matter. When you get blessed or when you get wealth you'll be tempted to spend it only on you and then turn around and worship the thing that you bought. I would come to church but I got to watch the Rose Voice that I just bought. I I would help the folk over in Africa, but I'm flying private to Dubai. Now I'm worshiping the thing that God gave me to build him my house with. And that's what they did. They built a golden calf. And that's the test. And God says, I want to bless, but you got to pass the test before I bless. And if you take the stuff and worship the stuff, you're not ready for the kingdom. Now, many of us, we ain't got no Rolls Royce. We ain't got no private jet. So guess what? We can pass the test right now with $4, $5, $7, EBT cards. It's easy to pass the test now. Go ahead and pass the test so when the blessing comes, you'll know I'm not building a golden calf. I'm building for God. God first. All right. Closing with these two verses. Luke 16, 10. This, this, and I'll, I'll give more to it in Bible study, but 1610 says this.
1: He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. What I just said, with your little $4, 5 6 7
0: EBT car, IOUs, borrowing here, borrowing there, if you unjust with that, then I I can't give you more. I I, I got to give one a quick rabbit trail. I was I was with somebody. I've told the story before, but it always comes back to me. Him and I were both working at General Motors. We went on our break to Burger King when Burger King was on Tennyson and we order our food. I order my food and I order a Sprite. He ordered his food. He ordered a water, and then. When he goes to the place to fill up the water, he put, he puts Sprite in the cup, and then the manager said, "Hey, you 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 paid for water. You didn't pay for Sprite, man. Forget you, man. You, why you all looking at me? And always because I'm black. It ain't cause you black. You stealing. Now, it, it wasn't like you was hungry. Me and you, we both work at General Motors, making twenty-seven dollars. If you will steal Sprite, then you can't be blessed. If you will if you won't have integrity in the small stuff, God can't trust you. Well, it's just Sprite. it ain't nothing. It's the principle, and when you are unprincipled with the smallest things, you are losing the test. You are flunking the test, and God can't bless you with the bigger stuff. And I hate to say it, I made it to 25 years. He ended up getting fired. And he don't no longer work for General Motors because his integrity wasn't right. And he couldn't see it. He couldn't have anybody deal with him. And next thing you know, he had his life end up being all out. It's not just because of the sprite, it was a systemic problem. And stop hanging out with folk who have issues with money and can't put stuff together and just always trying to hustle and trying to get over. It. I can't be with you. You're going to mess up my blessing. I'm not doing it this way. we claim so-and-so. Did, did they live in my house when I'm not claiming them then? All of a sudden, you got 27 kids when it comes tax time. Stop making up stuff. Do it the right way, and then let God bless you. Stop always trying to get over on folks. See, it's a test. It, you, sometimes you don't know. It's really a test. All right. Final verse. This will help us.
1: Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Mm. That's powerful. If you can get over the demonic spirit of mammon, and
0: instead of mammon controlling you, you control it, it's never about the little stuff. God said there's true riches on the other side and it's not just talking about monetary it's talking about all of our spiritual life there is true riches coming but you have to be able to handle that spirit of mammon and the unrighteous money and if you can do it then the Lord can bless you so kingdom wealth part two come on let's stand to our feet amen somebody say I'm ready for kingdom wealth now, you probably wouldn't expect me to say this, but I want you to say this. And it's not only to give it all to the church. Let me say something. When I, when I say kingdom wealth, I, want, I don't want it all coming here. I want y'all to be able to enjoy yourselves too. I want y'all to build houses if you want houses. I want you to buy property if you want property. I want you to bless the neighborhood if you want to bless the neighborhood. It's not just so this church can be wealthy and we can look at everybody else. Oh, look how much money we got. No, it's so that we can revolutionize a whole community. And if you would just give your 10%, we would be fine. If you would just give your little, we would be fine. But when I'm saying kingdom wealth, I'm saying we want to revolutionize everything around us. Let's bow our heads. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, you bring it to us, you test us with it, But God, we're ready for the true riches, not just material things. We don't ever want to put material things first. You say it's the least in the kingdom, but we know we need it to do things. So God, don't let us worry about it. Don't let mammon attach itself to our mindset and our money. Let us rise above it and do it in a way that produces the right result and the kingdom will come to the earth and God, you will have a house full of souls that you can touch because we're giving, giving, giving and changing our community. Giving so much that young men don't have to go and grab guns and kill each other and rob each other. Giving so much that people know they can come to the house of God and be blessed. And people who need counseling don't have to pay thousands of dollars for a therapist. They can come and get it from the house of God. Bless us so much so we can transform our nation. In Jesus' name we pray and we thank you and let everybody say amen and amen.